0: What's going on, everybody? Hello, hello. What's up? Season's greetings. Uh, season's greetings. Yeah, Holiday
1: dude. season's greetings.
0: Mm-hmm. It's getting colder. Things are getting uh, Things are getting more festive. We're around. So, yeah. Uh, in
1: Kentucky, we experience all of every season.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, we get it. So I think we have a too little- Too hot,
1: too cold. Yeah. Too man. rainy, too snowy.
0: Yeah, all of it. It's, it's of the it. full kit.
1: So very yeah. cool.
0: Side note, I uh, forgot the in-ears. So I've got the cans, oh, yeah. just like the pioneers did. So- <laughs>
1: Nick looks like a big nerd if you're watching. No, no,
0: no, no it's because he great. forgot his in ears. I look sick, is what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's
1: almost like somebody texted him this morning and said, "Hey, man, don't forget your in ears."
0: Yeah, after I had left my house. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. No, uh, we're uh, we're glad to be in the studio, uh, shooting another pod. So,
1: yeah, it's been a minute. So, uh, we have a wonderful guest here, Eliana Athaid, and I got to see her. Uh, play with Madison Cunningham at the Burl a little while ago, which was super cool. Mm -hmm. Sweet venue Uh, in Lexington. Great venue. Yeah. I played with an artist, Abby Hamilton, and we played probably three spots up. It was like us, then like Raylan Baxter, and then Madison and the crew. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of realized from there, like, oh, I I had seen her in some other stuff, like a Pompa Moose thing and, and some other stuff that was floating around. So I was like, oh, man, she'd be wonderful to ask. And here she is.
0: Hello. Wow.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, super pumped. Super pumped to talk to you. Um, That night, yeah, I was just super impressed oh. with you playing. Loved the tone. It was a great, great night. Outside, Burl outside is great.
0: Oh, yeah. I think I was in some rural part of the eastern side of the U.S. <laughs> yes, and the he was texting day. me like, dude, this is great. This is awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so I, mean, I heard good things.
2: Were you already familiar with Madison Cunningham?
1: Yeah, in her, in my, like, I I use Apple Music. He makes fun of me for using Apple Music. I like Apple. In my, like, fake Spotify replay wrapped thing, uh, Madison was, like, top three. Totally. Amazing musician. Love her. Amazing Amazing songs. But I also am very infatuated with uh, Tyler Chester's production. Uh, He produced that album. And I just am kind of a recording nerd. And so like all aspects of that album were done so amazingly uh, that I I was like, okay, well I have to see her. We were, we played uh, Bonnaroo last year and Madison also played and we played the same stage, but we like missed each other Uh. and somebody forgot to put the my tag uh, for my car, like in the, like RTM or something, there's a yeah. mix up. So they wouldn't let me in to Bonnaroo yet. And I missed Madison set. So super oh. bummed out, but was fun to open slash support the show.
2: Yeah. You guys were very much like the talk of the the county fair that everyone everyone was like, it's not a county fair. I was also told it's like not Burl County. I don't
1: know. I don't know. No, no, no. It was two on the name. (laughs) It's kind of meta. There's like a, I'll call it like an alternative country thing. That's kind of happening in Lexington, Eastern Kentucky, uh, West Virginia, that kind of thing where it's very like, kind of has a very anti-establishment bend. Uh, And the Burl has kind of been one of those venues that's very like, I don't know, it's very representative of the movement. So it was kind of a play on like a country county fair thing, yeah. Yeah. But it was was a lot of indie, yeah. It It was the Uh, first one they did, which was cool. Yeah, that was
2: also my first show with Madison. Yeah. Uh, Oh, nice. And I, I had come off another person I play with is Tim Heidecker, Uh and I had finished a tour with him and then had like 10 days off before mm-hmm. Madison's tour started. Um, her regular bass player is this guy named Daniel Ryan, who's just like,
1: who's so fantastic good. as well. Yeah. I love,
2: I love him. And so I kind of had like some of their rehearsal recordings, you know, I had the albums. Um, and then I think we did, I can't remember if we did one or two rehearsals, but it was very like, we had this really limited window. Cause mm-hmm. Addison was also like, "Well, I got to go to London for three days, and then I got to come." You know, like she's just nonstop. She's, I mean,
1: nonstop. I I couldn't do that. I don't know. Just (laughs) her
2: being amazing. Um, but yeah, that was our first show, and I can like, I can still remember the mistakes I made. (laughs) Like, I just it was so, you know, (laughs) first show with the new touring act is always a little stressful. Mm -hmm. I would say first like five shows, maybe depending on the music is kind of like, all right, I know I'm going to mess up, but what's it going to be? You know,
1: yeah, like yeah, 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 anything. Yeah. whereas
2: once I get in the flow, I'm like,
1: I can, you know, it's just repetition after that. I yeah. I can
2: guarantee I'm probably not going to have like huge mistakes, but man, right. that show, I was like, I was nervous. I was. Yeah. Excited.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. as someone who knows the record pretty well, I didn't notice any mistakes. So <laughs> great. All right.
2: Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. It, my, it, was a, uh,
1: it was wonderful to hear.
2: My dad is a, a great teacher, and he always said, like, you should smile when you make a mistake or, like, laugh at yourself because at the very moment that you have messed up, somebody in the audience is going to be like, oh, they're smiling. I love that.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, that's funny. Counterbalance yeah. it. Yeah,
1: so, yeah <laughs>
2: nice. that's, that's my secret. I just yeah. laugh at myself when I make a mistake. That's awesome.
1: That's, I, yeah. I think I do instinctually as well. But yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's a saving face. Yeah. Like <laughs> I laughed yeah. a lot uh, our last gig together. <laughs> yeah. <Funny. laughs> yeah.
0: No, it, it's funny because you talk about kind of joining that new gig. It's really interesting to be like the new person in it because there's all yeah. these like, it's one thing to learn a record, right? But it's yeah. another thing to learn the way they do it right totally totally different these little these little I don't want to call them like isms but these little like oh yeah we always do that we don't even think twice about it yeah when you you think about like I've been in the same camp for three years so I'm like we just do things that are 100% not the record and I have no idea Mm -hmm. I don't even know so yeah yeah, you're right there's always going to be that one thing right
1: you know it is kind of weird too when a a fill-in person shows up and you realize as a band how far you've drifted yeah (laughs) from that and then if the person really did their homework and played the right thing Mm. you're like oh no I didn't warn the person of the right the the other right thing to play
2: totally and I mean I will say about Madison like she a quality I super admire about her is she is kind of on this like never ending journey towards making the thing better like she's Mm -hmm. just about the music and so dedicated to making it really, really good. And so definitely I I can see with her music that like things she gives things space to grow, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. Because um, yeah. some
2: artists Very don't. Cool. I've definitely worked with artists who are kind of like learn the record verbatim. Mm-hmm. Do not deviate. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's fine as well. But I do really like that Madison gives the music space to grow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cool. I see, uh, and it it especially gets complicated if uh, if tracks are involved. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm.
2: I, yeah, I gotta say, I I sort of had a recent life. I don't know if epiphany is not the right word because it's not that grand, but like, uh, I, I was sort of considering what to say yes to and and what mm-hmm. to pass on for. I guess for this past year of touring and there was something that involved like a lot of tracks and i was kind of like you know i don't think that's for me i -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. i really find so much joy in like the fluidity of playing with people i mean no so many of my friends are making amazing music with tracks it's definitely not a diss on tracks but i realized kind of for me i was like i don't at this moment in my life that was kind of something I wanted to steer away from.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I, call
2: me for your gigs with tracks. No, I'm kidding. Don't.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, let me decide if I want to take that <laughs> yeah, gig or not. Yeah. You should still call me.
3: Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah,
1: I have a lot of I have a lot of background experience playing with tracks. I had kind of a mega church background for a little while, and then have kind of done the exact opposite now, wow. where it's kind of jumping into like a organic country thing or like try reapproaching some of that stuff without being tied to click or without being tied yeah. to whatever and kind of finding that in between has been really fun and really yeah. like freeing where it's like, hey, I I kinda grew up, you know, it's almost like an incubator. I kinda grew up learning to really play with tracks and, you know, some good stuff came from that. Like I for me, say, I click that you
2: have a great time. You know, yeah, like I mean, click is
1: second nature. Like I I totally. never have to think about click, but yeah. there are a lot of things I didn't get that I'm having to kind of relearn now that I'm a little older. Like Nashville numbers was really weird for me oh. to start hearing the one, the five, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where I I just at some point was like turn my my mind off and yeah. would just play what's on the page because it's gonna exactly come out with a click oh. and started really struggling with memorizing big sections because I was so used to playing off a page or you know when I was doing like jazz or that kind of stuff it was never like like real jazz so I would just like read sheet music off the page and I realized that I had neglected a lot of here's how to memorize a song here's how to think about the big picture of a song as you're playing it um and it seemed almost like thinking kind of like an acoustic guitar player sure because they're not thinking of a note they're thinking of a lot of notes or keys player that kind of stuff yeah so yeah that's been interesting
2: i mean i grew up um doing a ton of jazz upright i'm, I'm originally an upright bass player who has yeah. been called more and more for electric bass to the point where now i'm like i have six electric basses and yeah. i play you know 10 upright gigs a year i guess i'm an electric bass player but <laughs> I grew up playing jazz and classical, and like my dad, jazz pianist, really forced me to learn things by ear, mm-hmm. um, which I'm so grateful for. But it is interesting, like if you give me a piece of paper and tell me to learn the music that way, it's gonna take me forever to get off book, as opposed to if you just teach it to me by ear, it's almost like a different uh, yeah. part of your brain. It
1: absolutely is.
2: engages. And then there's an even different part of the brain that like I love charting out mm-hmm. music, you know, I, that's a real like zen time for me. I'm like I don't I don't have any of the music notation programs i really should but like i love just like sitting down with some graph paper and getting like real uh-huh. in about making a chart you know yeah. that's like a whole other side of your brain it's just interesting the way the way we memorize music
0: yeah
1: yeah i've always been weird about what i remember what i don't remember and and i do think it kind of comes down to person to person yeah like nick over here i've observed him not have that issue at all I've been like, dude, I wouldn't be like that.
0: (laughs) Are
2: you fast learner? What's going on over
3: there?
0: (laughs) No, I I just used to use finale quite a bit. I also have a church background, so I'm I'm pretty quick with the with slash charts and whatnot. And then
1: Nick's a great guitar player too. Like not only is he (laughs) an insane bassist, he's a great electric guitar player and singer. Uh, Which so,
2: one did you come to first? Are you a uh, guitar player who became a bass player?
1: or
0: Yeah, no, I was like the youngest guitar player in the group. So they were like, somebody's got to play bass, okay?
1: <laughs> well, you also played like, what, trumpet or something? I a marching got, band? Yeah, I did like the band
0: stuff through school. Yeah. So that was really good yeah. for like actual like written notation. But like, I I hated it. So I kept switching. <laughs> so like, I played like, I did like a year of sousaphone. I did like a year of trombone. Like, I just like, I was always switching. So I got to read all parts, all, like I got to sit in all parts of like the greater chord and that was really good for me. I don't wow. know, it just just different things. So by this point, I'm with you now because all I'll do anymore is just do a little Nashville scratch chart. I've got a little, uh, <laughs> I use that Notability app and I've got one of those pencils for my iPad and I, I just really scratch know. it through, you Look know? At you. That's all I do anymore, so. Just, I love that. You know,
2: yeah. I've, 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 I, there's something I've been really stuck on in the past, like, I don't know, five years of my life is, is this fact about the bass, particularly the electric bass that you have two lineages of electric bass. You have the lineage that came from like upright players switching Mm. to electric or, or people who are coming from the role of bass as a function, not as an instrument per se, like Mm -hmm. playing, playing the bass notes, you know? Right. And then you have, electric bass that came out of guitar players switching to bass
3: Mm.
2: and I feel like that's there's a bit of a joke in the bass world about like ah guitar player get off my instrument but it's like it is a foundational part of I mean rock music for sure I mean that's something I I feel like that's a a journey I want to get more on is like how to approach the electric bass, like from that lineage, you know, like totally. I get how to do it as a, like play the roots, hold it down. But mm. I have some friends who are guitar players. And when they play the bass, I'm just like, that's that sound, you know, yeah. like, I mean, yeah. Carol Kay, you know, Paul McCartney, like oh, there's ah, all yeah. these like, great bass players who were guitar players. Like that's part of our. Mm.
1: I hear a lot of it. Um, you know, a, another good example is like if you get called for an artist, and that artist has an album from a producer that plays everything, you get a lot of that sound. I hear it a lot as very downbeat, focused, sometimes plucky or palm muty, where it uh, it it almost sounds more percussive sometimes, as opposed to like sometimes laying back and kind of yeah. what we would default like groove into it's like these lines that are a little bit more fast and maybe, maybe they're like that. Cause they're quantized or mm-hmm. he, they played them in a way that would be like, Oh, I'm just going to quantize this later. Cause I'm not a bass player or
3: right.
1: it's just that guitar feel, but some yeah. really cool parts come out of that.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I poured <laughs> uh wise blood's Titanic rising album mm-hmm. and uh, Jonathan Rado's bass lines on that are so cool i mean that was an album that i was like oh i'm going to play the bass lines verbatim every single night because these are compositional works of art but he has that thing where like he's he's playing in a way that is so free from the inhibitions of being like i'm the bass Mm -hmm. player i need to just play you know like he's he's so melodic and yeah i have oh yeah I, this it's is funny to fun. hear
0: yeah because i just I, like i said i was never i didn't mean <laughs> to be a bass player right i didn't yeah, mean yeah, to do yeah, this yeah. <laughs> and yeah. kind of here i am so here in that other side i'm like because i always think man i wish i was just a bass player
1: i Earth, feel like a, no Earth. i think it's a it's a it's a major asset it's it, not see, all you know yeah, sometimes I it is sometimes love. is it <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. i see
0: wow. both for sure but uh, I think that is kind of a cool gateway for us. I would love to kind of get into, it seems like you've got everything that you've done. Like you've done kind of all parts of this. Um, so let me get straight. You're, you're LA based. Have you always been LA based?
2: Yeah, I mm-hmm. am originally from right around Berkeley, California, a little cool. town called Orinda. Um, And I came to LA to go to college. Um, I studied like classical and jazz bass at the oh, US cool. School of Music. And just, it kind of immediately started like gigging, you know, bass players, I mean, everyone mm-hmm. needs a bass player. So yeah, yeah I pretty quickly found um, a scene out of this wonderful bar in LA called 1642 Beer and Wine. That's like a real, a real haven for great music. In uh, On the cool. east side of Los Angeles um, Good to know Yeah, if you're ever in LA, that is the place to go The The bar owner, her name is Liz And she is like a true patron of the arts In a way that I mean, I, I spent the first I've been in LA for 14 years I spent the first seven years Only doing in-town work um, Like occasional one-offs But I really was not a touring musician And so I've pl- I've played at every venue there is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of up into a certain point. And yeah, I just I kind of there there's hardly anyone out there who is as dedicated to like really taking care of musicians the way she is. That's so,
0: cool to hear. That's
2: wonderful. That's, that's my word on 1642 Beer and Wine. Go check okay. it out. Yeah, we'll <laughs> check it
0: out. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's really cool. So um,
1: if with the LAC especially like from afar seeing uh, some of the same session people showing up in studios or in pieces of media, that kind yeah. of stuff. What, what do you think, what are some of the characteristics of your section of the LA music scene?
2: Um, You know, the scene is, it's very, it's an interesting question because I sort of.
1: I'm sure there's up- many experiences. But. yeah,
2: well, I you know, on on the one hand, my very first um oh sorry, my little dog's in this room and she's like, Do you need to leave me? <laughs> Do you just hang out? Um she's a big dog, she's little spiritually. Uh,
0: right. No, I totally get it. Um
2: oh, me she's too. Go I'm a big
1: dog, little spiritually, you
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, so I let's see, I I so kind of started in this scene, um coming out of USC like Pomplamus was huge for us. I don't I don't know. I, it's funny talking about Pomplamus cuz sometimes I'm like the people I hear talking about Pomplamus don't remember what Pomplamus did for like <laughs> internet music, you know? Like they were yeah. like the first band to do these like split screen You know, we're bringing you into the bedroom and showing you how we did the thing and we're going to make it funny and weird. And, you know, I think it's a thing that a lot of people do now. But I remember so well when I first saw Pompamouse. It was uh, the single ladies video. And, you know, (laughs) a bunch of jazz school kids were just like, oh, you know, like it it was so cool. Yeah. Uh, Because it was, because it is. Um, And I have a lot of friends who like, Kind of went the neo soul route right. um some very dear friends of mine have a band called moonchild that's just crushing it,
1: oh um, yeah, um, they don't have a bass player they have they a bass, have a bass player. i they have a their like hit song it's fantastic
3: oh, uh, are-
1: da, 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 da. I don't know it's a great song <laughs> They're yeah. great.
2: Um, and kind of at the same time that that was going on around me, I kind of got into this scene of, like, country musicians, but, like, not slick country, you know? Like, really kind of, like, old-school outlaw, but but not not dressed up, you know? Like, I was right. working with this uh, songwriter named R.T. Valline who has a band called R.T. and the 44s. And he would play like, I kid you not, like eight gigs a week. I mean, this guy was just like the true old school working musician. Nice. So kind of at the same time that I was a part of this, like, you know, sort of nerdy scene of like really amazing trained musicians. Right. I was also a part of this scene of self-taught, you know, country and it's kind of old American music. There's an right. amazing scene of musicians in LA, Petrovic brothers, blasting company, the California feet warmers. There's all these bands that are like unbelievable, uh, almost like stewards of this older era of music and mm. kind of like the country people not dressed up, not doing it for the like, Oh, mm. we look like we're from the twenties doing it. Cause right. they're like, we love this music from the Mm -hmm. 20s um cool so yeah scene wise in la i've always felt like i've i've got my hands in a few different scenes and now being the indie rock scene is like a whole different thing that i sometimes don't even feel like i'm a part of because i'm like not i'm like not an indie rock cool kid i'm just like a music nerd you know um (laughs) so yeah the la there's so much in la whenever people tell me they don't like it. I'm like, Oh, just like, go look around a different corner, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine with it being that big that it kind of, yeah you you can just almost choose your own adventure in some ways.
2: Oh, I'm constantly meeting amazing musicians that I didn't know existed. And I'm like, I've been here for 14 years. Like, how did I not know you were here? You know? Mm. So that's, that's a true gift of that city, you know?
1: Yeah. Before we jump back to nerdy bass talk, you have a yeah. well, cause you have an amazing, uh, vintage bass collection, uh, uh and, and a great, great tasting gear. Mm. Um, I want to make sure to plug cause you've got your own, your own project where you're singing and you're playing bass and maybe other things as well. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, that, thank you so much. That is called Jacaranda. Um, all the vowels are a, and there's a c, but no k. And
1: thank it, you for saying it.
2: It is pronounced. I
1: was like, oh no, <laughs> I don't know uh, if yeah. I can say this.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's funny. I, Pomplamoose actually was so generous in in basically like producing these videos for me, where they the Natalie Natalie Don of Pomplamoose, I think, is like this is weird to say because she's very successful, but I also think she is like maybe one of the most slept on songwriters Mm -hmm. because people think of her as the person in Pomplamoose who does these cool covers. And she is amazing at that. I mean, I I think some people underestimate how hard it is to do a cover and do it well, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But her songs are unbelievable. (laughs) Like she's an amazing songwriter, and I got to play on her record a um, couple years ago. And are
1: those yeah. the ones that are in French?
2: So, those are also amazing, and I'm playing okay. on the this. This was an <laughs> album. I'm such a dope. I can't. The name is. I think it's in the garden or something like that. It's. Uh-huh. Uh, it's beautiful. I'm so embarrassed that I can't remember the name of the record,
1: but yeah, everything she'd see it's she, I, yeah. her, her vo- vocal style is yes. so precise yes. that I feel like if you do not listen in, you don't realize that it's like putting on a clinic. Oh, like it totally. is exactly where it needs to be all the time.
2: And like truly all the time. Like uh-huh. she, she'll do a session and be doing scratch tracks and be kind of like, Oh, it doesn't sound great. And we're all like, Sounds amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs>
3: nice. um,
2: but yeah, no, she's also talk about a great bass player. She, she has an epic ear for bass lines. She's nice. a really, really, she's one of my favorites. Like when I'm on a session with her doing her music, I'm like, tell me what you're hearing. You know, yeah, like right. I don't yeah. want it to be what I heard. I want to, I want to bring out what she heard. Cause she's so interesting. <laughs> Anyways, we were doing the session, the producer, John Schroeder, was like, I think you guys would dig each other's music. And, you know, encouraged me to show her one of my bizarro Bible study songs um, <laughs> called John the Baptist. That's oh, like, yeah. Great song. Not, not, thank you. Really so Papa was, was like, we're going to produce these videos for you. Just, they're so generous with, with their resources. It's kind of wild.
3: That's um, wonderful.
2: But that's all to say that in the comment section, I noticed that some people are like, it's not Jacaranda, it's hakaranda," And I'm like, yes, if like, if we're literally talking about uh-huh. the tree that it is named for, yes. But when we are talking about my weird little art project, it's Jacaranda.
1: Nice. Um,
2: and yeah, I actually, I have some music I'm putting out. Um, I think I'm gonna aim for leap day. Do you guys know this next year is a leap year? Or oh. not Is that,
1: that so? What we've would got, that be? Is it right next to the New Year? Is that Leap we've Day? Got
2: twenty-nine no, days in February.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's cool.
2: I, I know. I mean, it only happens every <laughs> four years, so every time mm-hmm. it comes around, it's kind of like, what do we do again with that one?
1: Oh yeah. Uh huh.
2: Uh-huh. Um. So I think February 29th, I'm gonna put out uh put That's out awesome. my newest recording project, and oh, um, very cool. Yeah. It's I I really enjoy trying to do this thing that I should come up with a better name but I just kind of call it like four dimensional improvisation where I'm trying to surprise myself with mm-hmm. the layer building you know and nice. and just kind of do takes very much improvising and then move on to the next take and improvise to the last take and be like oh weird I didn't nice. think it would go there so yeah, my next project is called "Music for Brushing Your Teeth," and uh, right.
1: that's awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I need that in my life. I don't have any music currently for brushing my teeth, so
2: totally, it's the and, perfect plug. And the premise is, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. It's better to brush your teeth for thirty seconds than not at all. And I can say that perfect. from experience. That's you know? awesome. I, you don't need the that. whole two minutes. Just get in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just kidding. So you did you play? Most instruments or a bunch of instruments on the project or some of them? Um,
2: So Jack Aranda originally started as just like me writing songs and wanting to have a different name for my songwriting self. Totally understandable. Um, And then I want to say like my sophomore year in college, my childhood best friend, Maxime Stinnett, who is a wonderful, wonderful musician, um, just got really into the songs and, and was just kind of like, I, I want you to do this. Like Mm. you should actually do this. And so he kind of became my co-conspirator. And now it's very much the type of thing where like I'll do Jacaranda shows without Maxime or record weird little bedroom things without him. But, like Jack Aranda wouldn't exist without him because he's kind of the person outside of myself Mm -hmm. who is encouraging me to like keep doing it, you know? Nice. Um, So he's an amazing saxophonist and clarinet player. Uh, I was
1: going to ask about that in the EP you have out, there's a lot of clarinet that is beautiful.
2: Yes. He gets such a beautiful sound. I mean, I'm, I'm really, every time I listen to things we've done, I'm just like, Maxime. I mean, he has, he has a day job. He works with this great company called band lab that, um, I don't totally understand, but I think they're doing a lot in like the digital music, making, making music, making easy and free for everyone kind of vibes. Sweet. Um, nice. I don't know a lot, but I think they're doing good work. <laughs> um, but so yeah, he has like a day job and just gets like the most beautiful sound out of a clarinet ever. Uh-huh. And we have a really great rapport where like I can just be like singing him a line and he'll like learn the line right there and like record it, you know. Isn't that the best? Yeah. And then I can also trust him to be like, I don't know what I want here. Could you just kind of go for it? So like we i I'm so grateful to him, you know, I've I've worked with a number of people and not everyone is comfortable just being like, yeah, you're the producer or like you're the arranger and Mm -hmm. I'm happy to follow your vision, you know? And, and he's somebody who is so comfortable in that space that it's, Mm. yeah, it's, he's a joy to work with.
1: That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Jumping to base. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh tell us about your gear collection or at least uh your wonderful basses.
2: Oh, I wish I had them all with me. Um <clears throat> I will go in order of when I got them. My oh, nice. very first electric bass, the reason I play the bass is a beautiful 86 Fireglow Rickenbacker. Um oh,
1: I saw it.
2: That's my first bass. I it was actually in the family. Um Not even
1: better, that's awesome
2: Yeah, yeah. it originally belonged to a young man named Chris Moore um, And Chris Moore's mother is like my auntie uh-huh. And uh, Chris and I just missed each other on this plane Like mm. he passed away the year I was born uh-huh. And this bass was originally kind of loaned to my older sister um, And she was playing in like rock bands in high school Nice. And when I was 11, I would see that bass around the house. I, I really, actually, when I was like 10, I kind of started being like, I don't know what that is, but I want to play that. Mm-hmm. I was already playing the violin and piano and saxophone. Um, but not, I wasn't very good at any of them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so, yeah, I saw that Rickenbacker and was like, that's cool. I want to play that. And then my dad was like, that's cool. You should learn the upright bass and be in jazz band. Um <laughs> So then I got really serious about upright bass and would just play electric bass in like, I used to play in this Latin jazz uh, youth ensemble, play a lot of Afro-Cuban music, play a lot of Brazilian music. Everyone hated the Rickenbacker, like hated it. They just were like, that is a heinous bass to have for any of this music. (laughs) Why don't you have a P bass? You know? Do
1: you think like visually or tonally? Because both of them are very specific.
2: I think visually, I think it's one of those things where once you see a Rickenbacker, if you don't like the way you think a Rickenbacker sounds, that Rickenbacker will sound the way you think a Rickenbacker sounds. Like, <laughs> I, I think some people are just like, they see that bass and they can't unhear like fret noise and right. uh, round wounds, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, that, that, but that bass, that bass did me good for a long time. Yeah, um, I have awesome. put some flats on it back in like, I don't know, 2012. Um, that just sound great now. I should also say like, it's a special Rickenbacker. I've played other Rickenbackers and been like, oh no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this one, there's something special about this one. Um, then my very first touring gig was with a guy named Nick Waterhouse and he hated my Rickenbacker more than anyone.
3: Uh,
2: <laughs> so, so much so that he uh, he bought me a bass. I, I remember it so well. At the time, oh. I was making like, dirt money, like uh-huh. literal garbage. You know, I look back on that, and I'm like, oh, honey, we, you mm. don't go out on the road for that. But I did. Right. And I remember him being like, I can't afford to pay you more. But I, I can buy you a bass, like to get you to stop playing that break
1: and <laughs> <Yeah>. He's like, <laughs> and I, I could love- take this off my taxes as the bass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
2: exactly. And I'm I'm grateful because the bass he bought me is this. Uh, I want to say it's like a 64 or 65 um, old Craftsman um, that I'm playing in in some of those Pomplums videos. And the comments section. Is that
1: section- the hollow body?
2: Yes. And I, I nice. love reading people talking about it because uh-huh. you know, people will be really like, somebody will be like, wow, what is that base? And somebody will be like, it's a speed demon, idiot. you know And I'm like, it's not a, it's speed, not demon, a
1: speed demon. It's not
2: speed demon. That's very <laughs> similar. Like, good guess. They were made in the same factories in the same era, but it is not a speed demon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was going to re- say,
1: this is a speed demon.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, I, my
1: gosh. You know, I was wondering the same thing because I was like, Headstock is not a match at all. Like you've got the string tree, but the pickup is
2: pickup is, but but then this
1: is supposed to have a bunch of other crap on it, like a raised pick guard, and yours naturally kind of came like this, which honestly I think this looks cooler.
2: Yeah, so and the other thing is mine doesn't have an F hole. Is that's like a real F hole. It's not like painted on, right? (laughs) It's like yours
1: is painted on?
2: No, no, no. Mine doesn't have one at all, but I'm just- Oh,
1: yeah, it's real. It's a real one. So
2: mine is actually a chambered body. It's not a true hollow body. Okay.
1: Fascinating. Um,
2: So to me, that's like the big, big difference. And also Uh, I think the body of mine, I think the old craftsman body is smaller. Um, That would
1: would make sense. You know, when I got this, I was like, the pickup sounds insane. Like, it sounds so good. Uh, oh,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, I don't know. I just, I got it, and I was like, oh, God, okay. I have to swap the pickup, you know, to make right, this right, usable. Right. But it was, like, awesome. I'm, like, fumbling with my mic for all the people who don't watch the video. Oh. Um, But it, like, projects so loud uh, yeah. with it being hollow. But a chambered, oh. like, now I want, like, every one I can find. Like, all the companies <laughs> that were making this, I want all of them.
2: Same. I, I see that bass, and I'm like, oh. I want that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I definitely feel that way about those instruments of like, they're so cool and so vibey and so fun to play.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I, I do feel like I should go on a spree where I just, anytime I see one, cause they're not, they're not getting cheaper.
1: No, I think I got this one though for, I think $300. <laughs> Like, which is which is he had to, it's a whole thing. oh we went through it no it's time. a whole thing i i i'm kind of a scumbag online if it comes to like <laughs> sending like offers and like talking you, like, people you down that
2: person that base is worth oh no, no it's well it's, no, it's even crazier lie. than that
1: <laughs> but i am persistent <laughs> he, no it's ridiculous i'll put like timers you know where i'm like that base I'm, is still there and i'll send you a message and let you know hey you haven't sold it yet I guess you should probably sell it to me, kind of thing. Oh, uh, epic. He's we're, ruthless. I mean, we're in Kentucky; like, we it's yeah. a haggling state. We're into the haggle. We like we it. Got to haggle.
2: <laughs> I like that. I I don't appreciate. That. I mean, that is definitely the thing I don't like about LA. Is is how much the gear is. You know, that's
1: dude. It's crazy.
2: That's the bummer thing. I mean, though, I my base. I want to say. I won't name names, but was sold at a store that I think is just always overpriced. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to say it was like eleven hundred or something like that, and oh, that was yeah like twenty sixteen maybe. Mm-hmm. That's too much. Which that's even
1: yeah. that's like above reverb. Yeah. You
0: know? well, yeah, yeah, totally. So, but I mean, look, there's always a mojo. You're right. You're totally right. There's a mojo when you play that specific
1: one. That's what yeah. makes it worth the money.
3: That you're like, not
1: only is it overpriced, I know I can't get that somewhere else. Totally. It makes me mad. Well, but I'm saying that's worth the money.
3: I'll
2: pay for it. I will do it. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. And back to, I hate to call back to this, but to the Rick thing, 100%. the, there is excellent quality control, but there is a mojo that yeah. varies. It's it, They're yeah. always excellent. They're always perfect. There's a different yeah. mojo. And that's totally. the same thing. It's like it's worth paying that extra when you know that that yeah. Rick is the one for you. And it's the same yeah. with these old guys.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. And let me tell you, that Rick in the studio is always like people People love that bass because it's kind of mojo.
0: It's got um, a mojo. Yeah.
2: So I guess for a while, I just had the Rick and the old craftsmen, and it kind of yeah. worked because they were so different, yep. you know? I would yep. do old craftsmen on my country gigs, and and I used to play in this like very fun kind of like surfy pop punk band called Rachel Goodrich and the Girls. Nice. Um, I would play the Rickenbacker on that. We actually had matching Fireglow Glow Rickenbackers. I was pretty Oh, that's
0: good. cool. Like
2: that power trio with what like a vibe. Two- Oh yeah, that, that band's coming back someday. So is the,
1: is the fire glow like their version of the red yellow burst? Is that what it looks like?
2: I'm like, what? is the red yellow burst their version of the fire glow? No, I think <laughs> like, I feel like the fire glow doesn't have a lot of yellow. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean it it goes to natural, I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna I had have to six.
1: look at it. No, it's fine. Oh. He'll he'll look at it.
3: He'll <laughs> <laughs> figure
2: it out. Yeah, every, any
1: um, any gear ever? I'll be googling that. Oh, yeah, hey, cool. Uh, yeah.
3: I'll be googling that. that.
1: <laughs> we were kind of um, yeah.
0: We were looking down your Instagram, kind of be like, oh that that that. Okay, oh, cool. Like we got to get to the amp. Oh, gotta that get to looks the Gibson. cool. Gibson. Yeah. Okay. So, so what comes
1: next?
2: <laughs> okay. So okay. So then next, I got my beloved P bass. Baby's mm. first P bass. Um, total total fluke during the pandemic. Uh. An engineer that I'm I'm friends with. And actually, the guy who engineered my Jacaranda little EP. Mm-hmm. Um, he hit me up one day. He knew that I, I wanted a P-Base, you know? And he was like, I've got this friend who used to be a gear dealer, but now he only does mid-century modern furniture. But <laughs> his friend found a 71 P-Base in a pawn shop. You should go look at it. Nice. He's willing to sell it for cheap. And I think okay. at the time the guy was like, he's willing to let it go for like twenty four hundred bucks, and I was like, okay, we can talk about that. Yeah. And that day, I actually was filming a music video for Tim Heidecker off uh-huh. of his Fear of Death record um, at uh, I think it was at Valentine Recording Studios, and they have an early seventies P bass that I've played a bunch on sessions. I like uh-huh. know this bass. so I'm like playing that bass, and I'm kind of like yeah, like it sounds good, but it doesn't feel great. If this P bass doesn't feel better than this one, like I'm not going to get it. I had like a great, right. I got to take a different P base on a test run. Then I went and played it. And the guy was like, no, 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 I can't sell it for 24. I got it for 24. And I was like, oh. Uh... And he was like, do you have any mid-century modern furniture that you would Trade to get the price down, and I was like, "No, absolutely not." I get my furniture from you know the thrift store.
3: Right? Yeah. Goes,
2: Do you have any instruments you would sell? And it was like, "No," but I guess I I did skip a bass, which is when I was playing in Wise Blood. I got this like seafoam or sage sparkly green pea bass, like the lowest cool. low of a bass, like whatever uh-huh. the like player series, you know, uh-huh. the this mm-hmm. one. They gave it to me for free. It was like the first time anyone gave me an instrument and I was so stoked. And I was like, I have this P bass that you could maybe sell for like 500 bucks. And so he took the P bass, took, you know, like I don't know, 4 4 or 500 bucks off the price of of the old P bass.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Old the new P bass. I was devastated cuz I was like, that's a sentimental instrument what was I right. thinking? Right. Then someone on Instagram hit me up and was like, I have your base. Oh. And I I was kind of like, ha, ah, let me know if you want to sell it uh-huh. back to me. And they were like, No, it's great. I like it. And I was
1: like, okay, <laughs> okay. No, thank <laughs> you. Just wanted you to know.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that base is being loved. But that's how I got my P bass, which is that base.
1: Is that still the out. one you're you're playing? Like, was that the one yeah. I saw you play?
2: Yes. Talk about Mojo. That yeah. that base. The wear on it, like it's kind of devastating to me. You can tell that someone loved it. The Mm -hmm. other crazy thing is the dealer was like, the only weird thing about this P bass is it doesn't have a P bass case. For whatever reason, it came with a Rickenbacker hard case.
3: (laughs) And (laughs) I was like, (laughs) that's (laughs) perfect. Let's (laughs) let's go. That's perfect. Yeah. So
2: like, whoever pawned that bass, maybe pawned a P bass and a Rick and came back for the Rick. I don't know. Yeah,
1: dude, that's Um, sick. So it's a sunburst. Uh, is it, is it Rosewood veneer board?
2: That's such a great question. Oh, That's
1: fine. Does it, is it dark (laughs) or is it light?
2: It's dark.
1: Okay. So it's a Rosewood, Rosewood board.
2: Does that seem right for that era? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a whole thing where like, the 62s are worth a lot because they got a big hunking piece of rosewood and then CBS took over and, you know, apparently the quality control wasn't great. I played more than a few amazing CBS instruments. Totally. Luckily, we need the collectors to still think that. <laughs> so, totally. so that maybe totally. we can buy one one day. Uh, totally. But they started putting less rosewood on so it was kind of like a maple neck but it looked like a rosewood neck. Okay. Uh, and then people didn't like that, and they went back. So I don't know what year they started going back and doing veneer boards. I, I will say this, and maybe bass nerds will get mad. I've played 62s. i played, I 62s, so. I played <laughs> 60s. I have a custom-made P-Bass that's a 60s copy that has cool. a huge chunk of Rosewood. I can't tell a difference between yeah. a, a rosewood and a veneer and sometimes even a maple neck. Like I, yeah. like it's cool, but like, I almost think one might be
2: a maple neck. I don't know. I, this is stuff I should look into.
1: It'd be like maple on the back. So like blonde on the yeah. back and then like yeah. the darker wood on the fretboard. I think that,
2: that's what's going on. From yeah.
1: That's probably what it is. I it's love the neck.
2: I, that base. I, I recently got some work done on it and like, it's uh-huh. it's a really happy place and it makes me,
1: was that when uh, we chatted? Because it started doing something weird uh, while you were on tour. Yes,
2: that was that was bad. I I I ended up having to get it refretted. Frets Ooh. were pretty epically worn down. I'm telling you, whoever owned that Whoa. bass played it. Nice. Um, I got it refretted. The fret job was good, but the setup just wasn't quite right. And then right. mid through that tour, like, wow, September, October in this country was hot
3: yeah, <laughs> and,
2: and my base is just kind of freaked out. Um, mm. and so I ended up going to Hayday in Asheville and, and they did a, a great kind of just rush job. Um,
1: yeah. A and rush, then like set up.
2: Yeah. Just kind of, they were like, yeah, these bases, I mean the P base fully bottomed out by the time we got to New York, it was just like, <laughs> I can't.
1: Oh no. <laughs> um,
2: so I, I recently got some really good work, done in la and i'm i'm feeling happy nice and also on on this the only bass i have with me today it's my beloved uh g3 Mm -hmm. okay Um,
1: tell us about this
2: this one i i first thought that i wanted either a grabber or a ripper Mm -hmm. when i was doing natalie dawn's uh record at this place 64 sound um pierre who owns that studio has a very cool ripper Mm and We are doing hers, uh, album all week. I brought all my bases. I was feeling very like my collection rules. I've, you know, I've got a Rick, I've got a P bass. Uh, I've got this. Your collection does
1: rule. You're right.
2: (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. I was was feeling good about it. And then I played the Ripper and I was like, Whoa, this is weird. This, I want this. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, so then I would say like maybe two years later, uh, I was on tour with Tim Heidecker and the very good band mm-hmm. and uh, we were, it was a bus tour that began and ended in LA. And so we were all kind of like, we're going gear shopping, you know, it's like <laughs> the vibe. Uh-huh. So the guitar player, uh, Connor Gallagher or catfish as the people call him, he knew that I wanted one of these. And when we were in Chicago, he was like, Yo, Chicago Music Exchange. Uh-huh. They've got a G3. You might want to go check it out. Mm,
1: very tempting.
2: And I checked it out and I was A being it with a couple other basses and just ultimately kind of fell in love. I'm like, Mm-mm. I really love how much this bass is just like a hunk of wood, you know? Yeah. Like, it is oh, such yeah. a tree of an is instrument. Is it heavy? You know, it is, but I feel like not considering how much it is just a tree. You know, like yeah. I feel like it's, all my bases, I feel like I kind of lucked out. Like they're not too heavy,
1: right? I mean, right. They're
2: heavy, it is heavy, but like reasonably so. You know, yeah.
1: I feel um, like my maximum is like. Try unless it just is doing something that I can't explain an instrument. I I tend to not buy an instrument over ten or eleven pounds.
3: Yeah. That's
1: but smart. Vintage stuff is a whole nother it can speak to you in such a way that you're like, uh, I gotta have that, whatever yeah. that is. And that probably has a downside, which means weight, or that has a you Plus. know,
2: that this is definitely what's going on here.
0: This is so funny. I, I always love the moment in our podcast that it just plunges itself into the nerdiest form. Because when we start talking about string <laughs> right. gauge or right. like, right. oh, wait, what's your fretboard radius? Uh, let's <laughs> just start talking yeah. about it. Like, I mean, we're That's here That's one now. of the
1: only <laughs> things that I don't know is like <laughs> radius of fretboard. It it's just, wild. it bores me so It's called so feel. It feels good. I'm playing it. So. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
2: I'm, I'm right there with you. Love I'm like, it. yeah, it's uh, heavy, but not too heavy. Yeah. It's the, Perfect
0: way. Yeah, the Gibson basses are so cool because it's very much like you know it could look to the common person could look pretty. That's a bass. but yeah. to a person that is playing, when you see a Gibson, the Ripper, the Grabber, the the G three, yeah. it's like yeah,
1: there's something
0: about that that is yeah. like eye catching and just yeah. beautiful, and like the way that the the body so just
1: you're yeah. right, a hunk of wood. You're just like yeah. yes. Why aren't they still making those? I I don't like it's so iconic.
2: I know. I I wonder. Is
1: it just like I a special, super expensive thing that they'll do every now and then, or I I don't know? But it's like yeah, that's a base people should be playing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Oh, you go ahead. You good?
2: Oh no no. no. I'm-
0: uh, so we were talking about as we were as we were looking at it. So he was like, she, "She's got that grabber," and I was like, "I actually think it's potentially technically not a grabber, though. It's the same base. Like the only difference is the pickups, right?" Am yeah. I am I wrong here?
2: No, you are totally correct. It yeah. is a G three. Yeah. So from what I understand, the grabber has the sliding, the movable. Yes.
1: Oh, right, because you grab which it.
2: I think was like a funny idea. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm sure, just people were like, I. Actually, don't want that. Right, um, sure. Could you just do three pickups instead? I mean,
1: yeah. Uh, or like, yeah. here's the good spots. So let's just make totally. that into a base.
0: <laughs> totally. Which is funny because I feel like sometimes I, I mean, I can't even really think of like, I don't know. I feel like when you see people googling it, you'll actually see grabber G three. Like people kind of lump them together.
1: So ripper would be two pickup, grabbers
0: three pickup. Sorry.
2: And also, that I think it might be. Well, because of the headstock, because
0: oh, this yeah. is
2: the grabber headstock. Oh,
0: right. I think it is a grabber. Like yeah. everything is a grabber minus it's the pickups. It's a grabber.
2: Yeah. I think it's minus like the, the name might technically be like grabber three.
1: Grabber three, the G. G's gotta explain the G. <laughs> I
2: mean, it says <laughs> yeah. G3 like on the headstock. So, yeah, yes, I, so, yeah. I think it's. They're like, it's a Grabber 3, but that sounds dumb. <laughs> mm-hmm. Does it sound any dumber than calling it the Grabber? I don't know, but it's like so... I think so, it's cool. <laughs> it's, it is cool. You're right. I mean, <laughs> Grabber, the Ripper, it's like so mm-hmm. 80s. I mean... Ripper I is such a great name.
1: Time. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather be ripping than grabbing any day. <laughs> oh, I know. You know? Like, that's so weird. <laughs> I know.
2: I feel, I, I'm like, I hate to say it, but I do agree. I'm like, I wish this was a Ripper just An so R3. I could yeah, but but it's cool. It's a G three. No, that's that, awesome.
1: that's super cool. I like the flexibility too, where you're like, I don't know, I got three pickups. Like, yeah, wait. I mean, <laughs> this I was get, is. Oh, you
2: good? Oh yeah. Oh, I was gonna say that this is like the most versatile sounding bass mm-hmm. I have. I mean, it's a very like mid rangey tone. I mean, when right. like when Madison and I did our first rehearsal, I I was kind of like are you cool with how this bass sounds? Because I'm pretty sure her bass player, Daniel, like rocks a P bass, the whole set. And it sounds epic and beautiful. Yeah, We were on such a long tour that I, I wasn't totally comfortable just bringing one bass.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I wanted to bring two bases where like either one of them could be played the whole show. Right. You know? So yeah, the, the P bass and this G3 is what I ended up bringing. But yeah, I do. When I feel like when I'm bringing this on with a new artist, I always kind of do a, a temp check of like, do you feel okay about yeah. how this sounds? Because it is different. Um, very, yeah, very mid-rangey. It's, it's rock just, and roll.
1: Yeah. I mean, a it's, P bass is rock and roll too, but it takes on a different character with everything having flats. I feel yeah. like the Gibson is a little bit more rock and roll than a P bass with yeah. flats and maybe not as rock and roll as a P bass with rounds.
3: <laughs> totally.
2: Totally. When I got this bass, it, it had rounds on it. I've, I've become such a flat wound gal. Mm-hmm. I keep telling myself I'm going to have one bass with rounds, which actually brings me to my last bass that I'm, I, I do not understand yet at all. We we've got, We've got some learning to do, me and this bass. But I got an EBO.
1: Oh, uh, the mudbucker,
2: like the SG bass, man.
1: Uh huh. <sighs> Isn't it that is how like, everyone feels about them?
2: Right, like that's <laughs> why. <side. laughs>
1: yeah, they're like, I. Uh...
2: <laughs> I'm not sure. I so kind of the you know, and Tim Heidecker's very good band. The guitar player and I kind of got in. this hilarious mode where like part of our thing is we bring too many instruments on tour nice (laughs) and we coordinate our instruments he ended up getting an s1 which is like the sister guitar to this okay um you know he's got a strat i've got the p bass and then i would play the rick when he plays his sg that was like our Mm -hmm. rock and roll combo Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um and then we'd be like oh how cool would it be if, if I had an SG bass, you know? Um, and then we were in Nashville, not a good place to buy an instrument, <laughs> but they had, uh, over at, um, what's that place? Carter, Carter
1: Yeah.
2: Um, they had like three or four EBOs and EB threes. I can't remember the, Yeah. Name. not a gear nerd. Um,
1: mean so
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> I might've
1: might played that. I was at, I, I saw you buy it on Instagram and I was yeah. in Nashville within a month or so. And I, and I might have sat like there and played four. the same. Yeah. yeah. I've, I mean, we're so close. We're only four hours away. So I feel like great. I'm there four or five times a year, at least. That's amazing. Playing. I
2: mean, the, I'll say there, this one, the one I ended up buying is the first one I played because it, it was so beautiful and vibey. Like mm. the wood was just like, aged in this really epically beautiful way. Like, as you can tell, I'm not a gear nerd, but I am like an instrument nerd. Like I love, I love an instrument. And so I was really drawn to that bass. but the setup was whack. And it was like, they got some
1: whack setups in there. Once you got
2: about here, it was like, we're talking like a quarter tone flat, you know, it was just
0: very
1: cool.
2: It was just (laughs) bad. And I think they wanted $3,200 for it. And I was like, yeah, there's no way.
1: Their prices played, are bad.
2: Uh, yeah, well, sorry, Carter, I'm about to blow up your spot. But I played all the other ones and was like, hey, man, I still really liked that first one. And so like, I went to the guy and was like, I love this bass. I'm leaving town today. The setup is really bad. Like, I wouldn't pay 3200 for a setup like this. And he's like, mm to the computer and he's like uh we could do it for we could do for 21 and i was like
0: what
1: what they had a a third margin to play with (laughs) that's good that's good to i swear
2: i'm like i'm sorry carters Uh, but if you're gonna play it like that the people should know you know oh my
1: god talk about premium i played almost every instrument they had there They had one fully hollow body Gibson. Like it was the red, almost like a three thirty five, that I thought was the best playing instrument there. I might be exaggerating, but in my head, I feel like it was like 15 grand, like an absolutely insane. It was more than the vintage P bass and the P bass was like 10. And maybe they had a jazz bass that was like 12. And I'm like, and they weren't, they just didn't yeah. feel good. Hey, look, if you're that down that in Nashville, price. charge yeah. what you want, I guess.
2: I guess.
1: I mean, they'll still be, I guarantee you, those bases are there right now.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, because if you have that kind of money to play, I don't, well, I don't know. Who knows? But right. they did do a setup on that base, and it was fully, it was one of those funny things where they did the setup and brought it back, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. Not, I wouldn't pay third I still wouldn't pay more <laughs> yeah. than Yeah want to be clear it's perfect but it's not great yeah Um, yeah and you know my i my thing with the vintage gear has always been like well this is my investment am i ever going to be able to sell any of these instruments like spiritually maybe not sure but yeah i gotta say if anyone has like tips and tricks the the ebo is still we have not figured each other out yet Mm -hmm. i think that's the base that i need to have rounds on to kind of cut cut the mud a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful piece that I'm like, I probably shouldn't mess with it too much. But part of me is like, should I just put a different pickup on this bass? Like, I don't know. It feels so great to play. And there's something about it that's almost like synth-like. Like Like you can can get this sound out of it that is almost like a synth bass. And I'm like, Mm. I feel like there's potential there, but like I have not, I have not figured it out. Yet. Is
1: it two pickup, one pickup, one, just, one pickup? So one right on that neck, yeah. Right there, you're yeah.
2: like, I'm really dumbfounded by that bass. Uh, <laughs> um and
3: yeah.
2: somebody's probably going to be like, "You paid two grand for that?" I don't know. She's a beautiful specimen. Uh, uh yeah. 1964.
0: Nice. Oh my gosh! But to round out the collection great that year. you've got, though,
2: it rounds out the collection. Yeah, great I mean, year
0: it's just that's just a cool overall collection um so i got to point out there's one that doesn't live in your collection that we we always tussle about you so you don't have a jazz bass
2: oh my gosh i owned a jazz bass for about a year i i bought it from like a friend of my dad's i think for 900 bucks at a time in my life where i was like I think I made payments to him because I was like, I don't have $900 in my bank account. Um, and that would have been like before I had the P Base. I think that was just when I had the Rick and the craftsman
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um, I never played it. I, I think I played it on one gig. And after a year was just like, I, and it you, you know was yeah. like the nineties, maybe like it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, wasn't anything super special. It was right. just a '90s jazz bass. Just a jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I feel like I like never liked the shape of that body, and that is truly what yeah. kept me from a jazz bass. I I would always see it and be like, I don't love that. Mm-hmm. I like the way a B bass looks. Like, so I'm I'm excited and open to the era in my life when I realize what's cool about a B bass. I have one of those like PJ basses yeah. Yeah. that I got on a Waxahachie tour, like Fender gave us, you know, we, we wanted to have matching white instruments. <laughs> and so they, they gave me one of those white PJ basses, um that I haven't played since Waxahachie's St. Cloud tour.
1: So, yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah. And I'm like, what is, what is so great about a jazz yeah. bass?
1: There's a certain thing in my head that this is very specific with me growing up, and it's not even a particularly nice jazz bass necessarily, but I watched The Killers. Their guy, uh, Mark Stormer, I believe his name is, was always playing a giddily black jazz bass through a high watt. And that's one of those tones that have stuck out in my head where it's like, I need that in my collection. I don't even know if when i play that it will feel like me and i'll feel right. at home in it yeah. but i want it you know cuz
2: it's not the pickup like very cool
1: yeah the set, right? all the giddy lee stuff is really just a 70s style jazz bass where they yeah. move that pickup more bridge ish mm-hmm. um right. i want that eventually i i'd love a real 70s jazz bass because the prices are yeah. not good but they're not <laughs> Insanely bad because most people are yeah. like, "That's the one you don't want." The pickups right. and I'm like, "Well, if I'm going there, let's go yeah. there."
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: You had one you hated. That's funny. Yeah, I had a <laughs> I had a
0: 75 reissue. Uh, it's like I love the idea of a jazz bass, and every time yeah. I touch it, it's you're right. You just don't reach for it for the gig. You're like, I'm taking yeah. the P bass. Never like, once I have I been hired for that sound. It. No, it's like it can yeah. be any sound. Like it can do all these things it can do the country it can do the like the modern it can do whatever it could do the vintage thing it just it never agreed with me it never agreed with what i had it didn't feel like it talked to me it didn't feel like it like the way a p bass just kind of feels like it like hits you back like it feels like it yells at you a little bit when you barely touch it it like kind of barks back and i'm like i love that the jazz felt the dead opposite so i traded it for a rick (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes.
2: What color is your red? Black.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I, I've got the the full pickup cover on it and everything. I just learned to the inconvenience to love, you know? Uh-huh. I, love I
2: love it. it. Mine has the, the pickup cover and people are always like, you got to take that off. And I'm like, no. I, you know, <laughs> Who I, are you to I, tell Because i learned to play electric on that. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you just get used to it. Also, uh-huh. um, fun fact is I can't slap. Like I, I cannot, and it's because a Rickenbacker was my first bass. It will not and let if you go, nice. yeah. Throw on that neck to slap. Yeah. Like even my friends who are good at it, mm-hmm. when they would pick up the Rick, they'd be like, "No, what the,
0: yeah." What do I do? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, There's this band. I don't know if you're uh, into this. These like indie rock guys uh, called Hers. It was like a duo. They tragic oh. passing, uh, but they do like basically just like drum loops, bass and guitar. Uh, is all yeah. they do. And I was watching him. He plays this black Rick. Well, I think he he's but he's Rick is his thing, right? Yeah. He plays pick always up wow. on the other side of the pickup cover. like like, Ooh. I mean, like an it's inch away there. from that saddle and just gets this wild tone. And I'm like, huh. Rick's just brings something out of people that yeah. it just you can't get from other bases. There's just a, yeah. there's there's a thing. there's a way it makes you play. And I'm like, that's it. So in the last, you know, few months I've been like trying to do this (laughs) pick on the other side thing. Right.
2: Oh my gosh. The pick on the Rick, I, I haven't done yet. I got, Mm -hmm. I got kind of once I started touring, I got really, really into playing with the pick at first on the old craftsman. I got really into like playing, Mm -hmm. you know, palm muting and playing with, um, and then I don't know who I got into playing the pick with, I don't think it was Wise Blood, Like maybe it was Waxahachie, but there was a point where I kind of fell in love with that sound. Oh yeah. Um, but I haven't done it on the Rick yet. I I think because of the, the pickup guard, I can't figure mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of like when I'm playing with the pick, I really need to be anchored. I'm like, not that good. Mm-hmm. With, I, sometimes I reach for the pick because I kind of want that limitation, you know, like totally. I want, to be forced to kind of simplify and, you know, really make make good mm. choices.
0: That's funny, because when, when I think of picking a Rick, I'm like, Lemmy, Sunset Strip, yeah. Motorhead, yeah, go yeah. crazy.
2: Yeah. Totally, totally. So I'm the
0: dead opposite. I'm like, if I'm it's playing a pick player. with the Rick, I know. Yeah, right. yeah. But he was no, too, no. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: what i'm talking about that's a special you guys you represent two sides of the uh, lineage
0: yeah (laughs) that's so funny
1: so um from from looking at the instagram for the client whatever you don't seem like a super pedal person is that correct or i No, that's
2: that's correct i um acquired my very first pedals quite recently i i shouldn't say that i bought you know like Buzz pedals and stuff in the past, but just would never get that into them. I've I've always kind of been a like bass straight into the amp kind of gal. Uh
3: Um,
2: But yeah, playing with Madison, there were a couple things that I knew I would want. Well, really just one song that I knew I wanted an octave pedal for. Mm. Um, And then another couple spots where I'm like, an overdrive would probably be the move, but I don't have that right now. And I do have just like a little big muff. So I'll just bring that.
3: Right. Um,
2: I was very, <laughs> very lucky to have told uh my pal tall Wilkenfeld about my predicament that I was like, I don't have any pedals. <laughs> I need okay. an octave pedal. And she was like, you don't have any pedals like what's wrong with you um and she uh hooked it up and uh, or i should say ebs hooked it up and sent me an octave pedal that i, nice. I really need to publicly thank them for so this is step one of publicly thanking them for my first octave pedal very cool their octave
1: uh, is one of the only like new currently made octave pedals that i think are like super cool
2: yeah you know i i I do deeply like want to become a pedal person. I I think that's like on on my horizon, and I was like checking out. You know, the thing that seemed the coolest to me that I really wanted uh, is like one of those Tim Lafave pedals. I love Tim. Uh, the
1: capo. The I new Tim Lafave, even- or was it? Oh, the Tim yeah. LeFave octave.
2: Yes, it's uh, like. Yeah, thousand dollars yeah
1: three leaf audio dollars. uh yes. la, la, he f- loves to fave look la, <laughs> it's like a the favorite best. they 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 fuse his name and like favorite or something Octobrave. Yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I also wanted that yeah dude yeah. make some more of those I don't the three leaf audio yeah. guy's not gonna listen to this but what's your deal man those things are so high on reverb just make a couple more <laughs> they're awesome
0: no that's yeah,
1: cool
3: t-
2: Tim is totally the one. Actually, my my oldest sister is a classical violinist, and she is the concert master of the Rochester Philharmonic. And year, like, maybe I want to say like 10 years ago, uh, Chris Bodie was playing with her orchestra and Tim was in her band and he's such a monster in his band. Sorry. And my sister was like, Oh my gosh, you're a bass player in LA. My little sister is a bass player. Like, (laughs) like, can I connect you guys? Um, and yeah, Tim was so cool. I, I was like, yeah, not touring or anything yet. And I went over to his house and did kind of like a jam lesson and yeah, he's just, he's amazing.
1: I, yeah, he like all. he plays so effortless and not only yeah. is he an insane player then he brings out pedals and i yeah. and i i can't really think of pedals without thinking of how like his ear for choosing effects is so good totally. and then he'll turn them all off and melt your face because yeah. a lot of times you're like or like for me you're like Oh, that dude's compensating. He's using a bunch of pedals or whatever and doing this. He doesn't really know how to play. And yeah. then he will rip the most insane jazz solo. Yeah.
2: No, he's special. He's a special dude.
1: Yeah. I was Sorry. uh yeah. listening a bunch to the the last David Bowie album, Black Star. And yeah. so I was watching like him play some of it too because I you know he got picked up for that album and it kind of has that like jazz meets electronic mm-hmm. background thing. But then I went to watch it, and I was like, man, how is he plucking this? It, it has such a specific sound. And he was upstroking everything. He was going, like, playing like this wow. the whole time. And every time I see him, I'm like, you're playing the bass in a way I would never expect it done. And it always has better yeah. results than I feel like I could get. <laughs> yeah. It's just, he just innovatively grabs stuff. He's got the sauce, yeah. dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one of the big ones uh I, I i love his work um so simmering down a little bit but r- real yeah. quick i have a couple questions i'd love to get through it seems like a lot of the people in la slash your scene slash the recording studio scene yeah. are super flat wound vintage people yeah when when you showed up like what are the s- what are some of the things that you experience when you show up at a studio on that side of the country? Are you plugging into a B 15? Are you plugging into a console? What, you know, what, what's your day like?
2: You know, honestly, a a lot of, a lot of stuff I have done in LA, we are just kind of like DI into the console. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, I go to a fair amount of studios where like, there isn't an amazing bass amp option. Right. Or there isn't an amazing bass amp isolation option. Um, I don't know if that that's probably just like the nature of the things I've been doing. It's been a lot more of that than it has been like actual, like plugging into like a cool vibey amp. I mean that I've certainly done plenty of sessions where that's happening, but. I feel like lately it's been a lot of just like straight into the console.
1: Which is a great sound. you know, most record. Yeah. I, I don't know if I could say most, rec- but like that is a standard, amazing sound. It's actually a right, benefit guess, to basis. It's, it's,
2: yeah. It's like, that's why we get the, the vibey bass that we like so much, you know, mm-hmm. because that is providing the sound.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause it, it, it feels like everyone I see is doing the P base flat wound stay. It's almost like it got cool again, uh, I know. which I love.
2: I, I almost want, like, I, I maybe have some hint of a contrarian in me because part of me is right. like, I want to make rounds cool. Like everyone's yeah. playing flats, myself included, you know? Right. Um, but I don't know. It's there. It's just so luxurious. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so- I've been trying to I've been trying to force myself into the round or the flat yeah. world rather. I just I like oh, I said okay. guitar yeah. guy. I always wanted yeah. I just want rounds. So my Rick mm-hmm. I got like Rickasaund or the rota sounds and I just I love that alive thing, but most of my gigs yeah. are country, so I've got to pee with flats with the labellas yep. and I'm just like yep. all it does is make me want a P with with rounds just so mm-hmm. I can play rock and roll. Like I just oh, I just yeah. I just sit in there wanting I'm like, man, this isn't doing it for me. I just I wanna love it. I do like the sound. It's right for a lot of stuff I do, but I'm like, nah, mm-hmm. I, I need to get back
1: into the into the round thing.
2: I love that. I'm so like inspired by that. I'm like
1: I right. was always rounds until the last maybe six months I finally found a flat wound that I really jive with which is the uh the Ernie Wall Cobalt flats because oh, they they oh. they advertise them as flats that sound like rounds. So I've oh. always really liked kind of a brighter, more articulate thing. And yeah. I can attest that to me, they're the best of both worlds. Cause I have labellas on one of my P bases that yeah. I just, it's just not working. However, the labellas on my, uh, K speed demon are yeah. a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. And then my particular P base, I think it's just like telling me that it needs to be a round round base. Because sometimes they do that, you know they
2: do that, yeah, yeah. that's that's what the e b o is doing with me for sure i I put flats on it right away,
3: because
2: mm-hmm. I was like, that's why we don't understand each other. You got rounds on it, and I feel like the bass has been like, no, yeah, mm-mm. that's that was not correct,
1: <laughs> kind of my journey too has been I've always been uh, super nervous about fret noise or super again, because yes. I was always playing ground wound stuff um yep. and starting to get more and more in the studio i built the studio and so i'm like okay instead of just like killing myself every day for this particular sound that kind of sounds like flat ones anyway i just need yeah. to get a bright set of flats and since i've done that like even my technique has has been able to relax a little bit yes. because i'm not afraid yeah. of every moment and yeah. I was never really taking advantage of round-wounds because I was too nervous someone would hear it be clicky or aggressive or whatever, when yeah. now it's like I need to have an aggressive, fun round-wound bass yeah. instead mm-hmm. of having a sucky round round bass. Or, you know, like it just yeah. – I was using the wrong tool for for whatever. You know what I mean? Totally. So that's that's kind of my latest where it's like I need a really good – go back, get a round wound instrument. And I'm obsessed with these old Yamaha basses. That's kind of my thing. And they're expensive and they're rising pretty fast, but they're not like crazy expensive yet. So, because I was always round wound and like five strings. I loved five string instrument. And that's how I started playing, especially when a singer would change a key or when I was playing jazz or whatever, since I never learned all of those things in the four string environment, I always got really attached to having five strings. I only have one five string; everything else I have is four. But uh, the Yamaha BB five thousand—it's the and it's the uh, the first ever production five string. It's from like eighty two, and then oh. people loved them, and they immediately changed it. And started making it not in Japan anymore. And supposedly they're less good. So I was able to get my hands on. That's like my vintage-ish instrument. But that's like kind of my main voice. And it is, the neck is skinny. Like they took their biggest four-string neck and they slapped five strings on it. Because there was just no like standard.
3: And I love
1: that. I hate grabbing a five-string and the fretboard being that big. I want to have this little thing. And then go to a four string when I want like a bigger, you know, anyway, that's, that's, I I keep talking about it. I need to not talk about it He's
0: legally obligated to talk about that, and then he'll mention the Noble D.I., (laughs) and then we can just (laughs) like get on with it, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I will say, we will let you go. We'll get out of here soon, but on our way down, um, let's hit AMP real quick uh, because I I was super fascinated with it, and then we'll hit some... If you got any recommendations for us, uh, we love taking music recs or movies or whatever. So art, whatever. Let's hit the AMP. Uh, It looked very, very cool.
2: That amp actually belongs to Tim Heidecker's tour manager. Nice. Jason Hassan. Uh, It's like a, I want to say it's a sixties Fender Showman.
1: Yeah. Um, It looks like it.
2: Yeah. And yeah, that, that was such a, such a lucky thing. Cause I, I also like have not, that's something I haven't invested in yet is like a really great vibey amp. That's, mm-hmm. that's probably gonna be like next on the list
3: mm-hmm.
2: for me. Um, Cause you know, like the folks I tour with, like, you know, Waxahachie's got, uh, you know, a big old new Fender amp. And uh gosh, I'm those, all the people I've ever toured with have like either backlined or bought their own amps. Uh-huh. So I've kind of never needed it. And then when I'm in town, I'm, you know, doing things that mostly call for like a small combo or something. Right. Um, So yeah, Tim's tour manager, that, that amp is like his baby. And when, when we were gearing up for our first tour together, uh, I mean, I should say that whole Tim's thing is like, so, so special. I feel so lucky that right now in my life, I only am working with artists who I love deeply as humans. And I love that's their great. music.
3: That's where you want to And I love
2: be. the people they work with. I love their teams. Like it's, it, that's rare. I've found oh, yeah. to you know. So Tim's whole team is amazing. And as we were gearing up for our first tour, and we had our backline conversation. The TM was just like, "I'm just gonna put this out there. I want to bring my big ass amp. You are welcome to.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: that's so yeah. Awesome. That thing's fun. That thing." Plus the EBO was insane. Like I was like, this is, this is too much, like uh-huh. too much one, too much power, that's too so much cool. mud. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. It's, I feel like it's a scary world. I don't take an amp out. I'm just DIs. I, I have like just yeah. little, little preamps and stuff. It's, it's yeah. kind of a scary world because you know, you get a base and it's got some noises. You can try and work it out. You get an amp that's giving you fits. It could be, uh, anything. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a totally different level of like, if it's getting beat up in a trailer, if it's mm-hmm. getting pushed oh, by the wrong person, if it's getting hot, yeah. if it's getting cold, like, yeah. D- yeah. Do you find any of that with, with your, with your current rig temperamental Yeah,
2: with, with JP's definitely, you know she's an old gal and there, Mm -hmm. there there'll be days where I'd be like, I need a screwdriver so that I can like tighten all the screws on the back of the cab to make sure that's not what the rattle is. We, when we were in Austin, we had to kind of get some rush work done on it. I think maybe just wasn't a tube went out. It was something weirder than that. But, um, you know, I, I, so I love that amp and I'm very grateful to JP for letting me use it. It It's very appropriate for Tim's band and that show. And, how we love having this like guitar center, like display of like uh-huh. the guitar players, guitars and my basses. And right. that's really fun. But then on Madison's tour, I was using her bass player's rig. Uh, Cause I ended up doing like the first six weeks of the tour and he did the last two weeks. Uh-huh. Um, and so he was kind enough to let me borrow his rig, which is just an Aguilar, you know, with uh-huh. like, uh, I can't remember what size the cab was like two tens or. I don't know. Can't remember. Won't. Well, don't quote me, but an Aguilar I cab. Sure remember,
1: I should remember, but I don't.
2: I was like, oh, this rules.
1: Yeah, cool. They're <laughs> you know, solid. And you had I the, di- was, it was a digital head, right? It was the little, yeah. little head, but, and I think maybe the bigger cab, like a 410.
2: Yeah. 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 And it was just like, this is so easy, and there's so much clarity. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in a real, like, vintage amps, and like, Fender, amps kind of world uh-huh. like don't get me wrong and and ampegs like don't get me right. wrong i love all those things but playing that aguilar for six weeks i was kind of like it's pretty nice oh, yeah, this pretty nice cool. pretty, pretty dependable nice. pretty clear <laughs> yeah love
1: it. yeah and not that heavy
2: and not that heavy totally. I'm, I'm waiting for there to be a good a good combo i mean i know we talked about if talking talking smack on gear but i'm like <laughs> I I hate those Fender Rumbles. Ampig made, made one that I tried out. They suck as well. I mean, they're great because they're so light, and that right. is really important. And I'm sure they're fine going direct, like if, you know, just taking the direct sound, but I'm like, they sound so bad,
1: mm-hmm. right? It's, it's so, I don't, it's just weird. The world of combo amps is so weird because I want there to be a really... High end yes. small amp, yes. and it seems like they can only make them cheap-ish. Yeah. You know, cheap and loud. And it's yeah. like, no, I want premium yes. and like moderately loud. Yeah, yes, I I want to yeah. go back to to throwing a mic on my cab instead of having a, a bass rig and be like, don't mic it. Take this DI signal. I was yeah. kind of. I was separated, you know, the way I, I was doing some mega churches and other things where I, it just no amps on stage became a thing for me very early. And so mm. I've always kind of been obsessed with like, what is my D.I.? Is it a tube D.I.? Is it whatever? Yeah. Here's my Noble Plug. Uh, or, you know, the Capo or, or like all the Sans amp, all that kind of stuff where it's like, here's my flavor. Take it from here. Don't worry yeah. about the amp. That's just like a big stage wedge. But now that I, I have a 70s B-15 and I have a 70s Ampeg SVT, now that I've kind of experienced both of those, I'm like, dude, I want to throw mics on my amp again. Like, what happened okay. to us? <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> what Who allowed totally. the separation mm-hmm. of it bass player this, from amp?
2: It is this weird kind of, sometimes I feel like, yeah, this like ancient battle between sound person random sound person and random bass player mm-hmm. and both parties being like i don't trust you right <laughs> you know like yeah. um they're like i'm not gonna mic your amp i'm gonna take your direct out you know and then mm-hmm. you being like i okay or what then what are you gonna do to it you know right.
1: it's like and compress like, it three times none of your business yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Get bent>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 i'm honestly my beef lately is with too much low end i I feel like everywhere you go, everyone's like pumping everything through the sub so hard, yeah for music that I don't think needs that i mm-hmm. I mean, and I think this is kind of like the going back to making your amp like I kind of that's cool that we live in a world where we can send out this epic bass sound, mm-hmm. but I would kind of like to get into a world where like sound engineers are not afraid to be like, we're not even gonna go there at all like. Don't even use the subs. No, I don't know if that's even a good idea. But When
1: I was running in front of house, now I have a different approach in the studio. I would not put the bass guitar in the subs. I would put the kick in the subs. Now, not to be too nerdy, some people have like a full range system and it's not a like on or off sub thing. I had a big system where I could turn the subs on or off or send things independently to the subs. Uh, I would never put bass in it and it always sounded the best because... To me, bass is about that low and upper-mid chunk. Yes. It's like the kick goes like this, yeah. and then that's where the bass goes, right, and then everything right. else goes right there. And right. and in recorded music, I think the kick goes like this, and the bass gets to be a little here and yeah, here. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um, totally. And it just, it's just a bummer when you roll up and you can't hear the bass guitar, and a lot of that's because they're only using it for low-end, instead yeah. of letting it kind of be that meat stuff. Cause you go a great example is, you know, older music, like a Motown where you're like, that oh, yeah. is a bass driven oh, yeah. song. Right. And you kind of need that's, that's that key area.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, yeah. you can still modernize that too. Like in a modern mix, if you just choose, if it sounds right, you know, there's always exceptions. Um, yeah. You can still do that and have a mix where you hear, every instrument clearly.
2: Yes. Uh I mean yeah. while we're on this tip I feel like I have to throw Brad Cook's name into the into the conversation. I know we're winding down but I Brad Cook produced uh Waxahachie's last record, uh-huh. her newest record. He also plays bass on them. He nice. is He is absolutely one of my favorite bass players ever. He's so He's so good. And he does a lot of stuff where like it is it is not low, low end bass, uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh. And so, yeah, taking that stuff live. I mean, we're lucky that in Waxahachie we're bringing our own front of house. But it's like that's also music that's like it would be kind of silly to have the bass be this like subby low thing. Because that's right. like that's that's not what they did when they made the record, you know?
1: Right, right.
2: Like, and also God, like it's God.
1: fun to bring a Moog
2: yeah right right oh that's also the next thing i want to
1: dude yes i've been bringing a sub 37 out uh Uh, for like two songs like three notes in the same like patch and again this comes from someone who plays a five string to me sometimes i may be emulating a moog but most of the time it's just helping me get somewhere else on the neck yeah, uh, yeah, 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 and then I totally. go for the octave pedal or the Moog when I want to go down, but yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's a fun place to explore, but uh, maybe we'll save that for next time. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, you know, at you wrapping, wrapping that all up. I mean, by our, uh, our, our influences like Paul McCartney, I mean, Dude, it's. I mean, he's he's playing he's, guitar yeah. range stuff. I mean, he's he's oh. all over it. It's not blowing your speakers up, but it still sounds full. Perfect, so I think it's yeah. uh, John Paul Jones is my guy. I and he's not Ooh. playing subby low B. Like it's not it's oh. not rattling your car, but it's perfect. It's dead on. Oh. So love that stuff. Um, totally.
1: Yeah, I guess yeah, it's been oh, yeah. super awesome to have you. We're so, so honored fun. that you took the time. Out of your oh your schedule to chat.
2: I'm so yeah. honored that you asked oh. my first base podcast.
1: Heck yeah! There we go. There's not many of us. There's <laughs> not there's not many of us, and there's uh, yeah. Anyway, we want we want to talk from back. Base, base is weird because it's like you get the magazines and who they like, and it's always kind of the same people, sure. and then you get like the people who are working that you don't always find out about until they're like too big you know like unobtainably big (laughs) Uh, it's a world world out there but you know we're navigating it together so yeah, thanks everybody who's listening at home or watching Uh, this was a longer one and it was worth it because it was dope super cool thanks so much uh, follow us on social media follow Ellie on social media yeah see you later